On this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we continue to await Christmas Day, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. All but one of the candles on the Advent wreath are lit. The one that we wait for is the Christ candle, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so one week, with one week left, today we turn our attention towards Joseph and his perspective and what he was told about the coming of Jesus Christ and his role to play in the story that God had ordained for him. So as we seek today to hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 1, 18 through 25, let us first pray for God's blessing. Lord, speak to us through your word. By your Holy Spirit, take these words, even from stories that we know well, and make the familiar fresh to us once again. May we receive the testimony of your word to us in such a way that we may find ourselves moved towards your will, refreshed in your presence, and challenged by your call upon us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Before we read Matthew 1, 18 through 25, I have a question for you. What if God himself spoke to you in a dream, revealing great mysteries to you with unmistakable clarity? What if God spoke to you in a dream, and when you woke up, you knew that almost no one would believe you? Let's read together from Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, what if God spoke to you in a dream, revealing those great mysteries with unmistakable clarity? What if God spoke to you in a dream and made all things clear, and you knew that when you woke up, nothing would convince others that what you were saying was true? Imagine being in Joseph's shoes. Joseph, who all along is simply trying to do the right thing. 
He's trying to do the right thing every step of the way, and yet he keeps getting thrown a curveball. Joseph was following the customs of his people. Joseph would be in his mid-teenage years. He's engaged, arranged in family marriages. He's probably already working in the trade with his father as a carpenter. He's following through on all of the right customs, on all of the right steps. Joseph is doing everything right, faithful to the law, faithful to the customs of his people. And then to find out, your fiancé is pregnant, and you knew it wasn't you. So what do you do? What was Joseph to do when he discovered that Mary was already with child? Scripture describes Joseph as faithful to the law, meaning the law of Moses. That means Joseph would have a working familiarity with texts like Deuteronomy 22, which, especially beginning at verse 13, spells out for us all the different ways in which a marriage could be compromised, especially before the marriage took place. Joseph would know what could come next for Mary and for him. And it would bring great shame. Joseph, at this point, doesn't know all of the circumstances of how Mary became pregnant. But what he does know is that he doesn't want her dragged to the city gates, examined, put on trial by the elders in the city gates, and then potentially to be stoned to death. Certainly, this would bring great shame upon Mary, and it would be actually some shame imposed on Joseph and his household as well. But Joseph is honorably intentioned. Knowing the shame that it would not only bring on Mary, but also her household, he seeks to simply divorce her quietly. She's carrying a child. He knows it's not his. And so as long as this stays silent, it's the best damage control that Joseph can do. In this kind of worst-case scenario of no good options, Joseph has tried to find the option that is the best for all parties. Good old Joseph, trying to do the right thing, seeking the solution that could be the best for everyone. Until an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream. And that moment for Joseph is a game-changer. There's going to be more times where God's going to come to Joseph in a dream to warn him, to to redirect his path. But this, this is the game changer that starts it all. Consider now Joseph knows that Mary has committed no sin. She has not committed adultery. She has not done anything outside of God's law, but that she has conceived through the Holy Spirit. And Joseph knows this to be true in a dream where God spoke to him. But who would believe Joseph? Would you? If a young, engaged couple came to you and said, she's pregnant, but but we didn't do it, God did it, would you believe them? Honestly. Would anyone believe Joseph as he took Mary to be his wife and that she was already with child? Would anyone believe that this was God's doing? Or would it be treated as a lie? Because we all know that people talk. And people notice things. And then people start to talk about the things that they noticed. 
Sometimes we call that gossip, especially when it's malicious. All of Joseph's considerations to divorce Mary were kept quiet to himself. No one knows that he contemplated that. And so we don't know exactly how much time has passed or how much Mary is showing before Joseph and Mary are married. But people talk about the things they notice. And more than likely, in the village, people would notice that Mary was pregnant and that Joseph and Mary were not yet married. What do you think the talk of the town was? The quiet whispers in the market, the sidelong judgmental stares in places like the synagogue, their version of church. What conclusion would people be drawing? And to be fair, what conclusion would we be drawing, given all that we know? We don't know about Joseph's dream, and would we even believe him if he told us? The fact that Joseph stays with Mary, people would assume that Joseph and Mary had done something wrong, that they had sinned, that they had had sex before marriage. And any argument to the contrary that Joseph could make would seem preposterous. This is why I admire Joseph. Because of his great integrity, he follows through with what he knows to be true, with what was revealed to him in a dream that not many people would believe him. He sticks to what he believes, even when and if no one else would believe him. Because Joseph's story was given to him by God. The story God gave to him was revealed to him, and it's the story that he stayed true to. Not much is known of Joseph, really. But we know from Scripture that God spoke to Joseph on multiple occasions, and this is the starting point of that. And every time that God spoke to Joseph, that he spoke to him through the angel of the Lord in a dream, he responded. Joseph responded with obedience to God's call. Joseph responded with trust in God's revelation to him. Not all of us have or will be skewed from the integrity of Joseph is to live your testimony, to live your story well. Living our story is believing God's word, God's story for us, and living into it, accepting it as part of who we are, given all the implications for it, given all of the demands, given all of the celebrations of grace that are found. Believing that the virgin was with child and that God was born into the world both fully divine and fully human might not make sense to everyone. But in this Christmas time, we remember that this is our story. This is the story for all of us that Jesus Christ was born into the world. What's your story when it comes to Christmas, when it comes to Easter? What's your story for what this means and what is true in the midst of all of the other extra stuff that goes with the season? We take our story to be God's story, even when we're not believed. I have to be honest, and I know this will bother some of you, I'm not a big fan of country music. I, I, I'm just not. Um, I grew up in a, a household divided between if, if my dad was driving, we would listen to classic rock. 
uh, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd were, were a few favorites. And if my mom was driving, then we listened to country music. And I am my father's child when it comes to music taste. But here's where I have to give credit. As much as this pains me a little bit, I have to give some credit to country music. And I know, I know at one of the summer events, either Allison or Amanda Veldier was wearing a, a T-shirt from a country band. I didn't even know who it was, so I'm sorry for my great lack of knowledge. But here's the moment where I'm going to give credit to a country music song. I think... It's an older one. I remember it from my childhood. I think it's Colin Ray. But that song, That's My Story and I'm Sticking to It. Eric, am I right? Okay, good. Is that Colin Ray? Okay, good. And, and, and some of the lyrics of that are, I, I don't have a witness and I can't prove it, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right, it's catchy. I wish that a classic rock band had covered that exact lyrics, but... <laughs> And maybe we can do that sometime with praise team, but, but that's our story. Joseph accepted the story that God gave to him, that this is what is happening, this is what is true, this is where you can put your belief, your faith, your conviction, that what I am doing is bigger than you. And whether no one in your village believes you, that this is in fact the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, whether no one believes you or not, this is true. This is your story to stick to. And we share that same story. Preferably not in country, but we could all sing as well. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That this was God's own son, born into the world, conceived by the Holy Spirit. When we accept what our story is, the story that God gave to us, that doesn't mean we accept it with this kind of stoic fatalism. It's not fatalism, that philosophy of kind of gloom and doom. Well, This is what God has done, so there's nothing for me to do about it. And we cross our arms and walk through life. That's not it. Because whenever we are given God's story, whenever God reveals himself to us, we are always called to respond. When Joseph was given this revelation from God, his response was to take Mary to be his wife. Come whatever consequences or shame would be put upon him for that. That was his response to respond with integrity. And as we read even these familiar texts of Christmas, we are called with that same question of how do we respond to these words that we know and believe to be true? It's not fatalism. It is trust in God that calls for a response. It's not fatalism, and nor is it inexplicable in the sense that we don't even try, that we say, you know what, you wouldn't even believe me if I told you. I wonder if there were any family conversation in Joseph's household. So Joseph, we know what happened. And for Joseph to say, you know what, you wouldn't even believe me if I told you what was going on. But we do have a role to play in explaining what we believe to be true. And I'm sure Joseph couldn't win every argument He couldn't convince everyone, but he did stick to his story. And every time God spoke to him, every time God revealed himself to him, Joseph responded. We have Scripture. We have the gift of Scripture, sometimes one that we take for granted, that every time God reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit, by the words of Scripture, it calls us to respond. Our witness, the greatest witness we have, 
is consistently living as if Scripture is true. Our witness is to live as if this is all true. Sometimes we can't win the argument, but we can continue to live in such a way that demonstrates a depth of conviction that where we have our faith and trust, it is our story and we're sticking to it. Now, there is a whole field of reading that we could do on apologetics, which is the rational explanation of the faith. And apologetics have their place. We do need to be able to articulate why we believe, what we believe, and how we've come to believe it. That's all part of apologetics, and that's important. But in our attempts to explain what Christmas is all about or the Christian faith as a whole, let's not rationalize the miracles out of God's story. Apologetics have their place, that we help make sense of the faith, that we help people understand what we believe. But that's based on rational arguments. And sometimes we run the danger of trying to rationalize the miracle right out of the Christmas story or rationalize the miracle right out of the resurrection at Easter. The virgin birth and the resurrection are central events to our faith. And we're so familiar with them sometimes that we maybe forget just how audacious these ideas are. In our staff Bible study earlier this week, Jed, I think it was you that said these are some of the most familiar stories to us, and yet they're some of the most unfamiliar things in the scope of natural law. Virgins don't get pregnant, and dead people don't rise from the dead to new life. The virgin birth and the resurrection are a part of our story. And we can explain why we believe them to be true, that they've been revealed to us, that they've been testified to and authenticated by the Holy Spirit as we read Scripture together as a church. But we can't rationalize the miracle out of it. But we can live. We can live in such a way that reflects our beliefs that our reason for the season is that Jesus Christ was born into the world. Makes you wonder, how do you respond? Or perhaps, how do you react when people don't believe you or agree with you? Maybe husbands and wives have this. Siblings, I know, definitely have this. When one does not believe the other, how do you respond? I always have this on the farm growing up. My dad would tell me to do something, and I would do exactly what he told me to, and it wouldn't work. And I would tell him, no, I did the exact thing you did. And he would walk out and do the same thing I did, and it would work. I hated that. But in that moment, there was no way to convince him that what I had done was the same thing that he had done. Sometimes we get angry when we can't convince people of what we believe. We can become reactive, even a little bit hostile. How do we react when people don't agree with us or don't believe us? There's the role of apologetics and being clear in our explanations. But there is always the call of faithful living in response that when people don't agree with us, when they don't believe us about what Christmas is all about from our perspective, we continue to live as it is true. Because a child of God born into the world is good news for us and for all people.
He is to be called Jesus, meaning Savior or salvation. Fulfilling the words of Isaiah, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. And this is good news for all of us. Sometimes that's harder to see. Sometimes it's easier to see. But this is the child of God born into the world. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news for all of us that we have been adopted as children of God, forgiven of our sins, blessed by the Holy Spirit, and loved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our story. How do you live into that story this week? How do you put it on witness and display, even when someone doesn't believe you, even when you can't win the argument? Maybe that looks a little bit different to each one of us, but this is our story, that Jesus Christ was born into the world. Share it. Live into its truth. Believe it. And let others know that this is what you believe as well. This is our story. Let's stick to it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, you speak to us through your word. You speak to us through your Holy Spirit. When you speak, may we know when it is you. And may you give us wisdom in knowing how to respond. May you give us wisdom and patience in explaining the truth of our faith. May you give us conviction in our faithfulness to living as you have called us to live. And may we celebrate with great joy the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. And may our joy be sincere in such a way as to show that this is what we truly believe. Help us, Lord, to live as a living witness and response to what you have made true, to what you have spoken into being. Lord, thank you for the story that you have given us of your Son's birth and life and death and resurrection. 